you have your Bibles, let's go to Isaiah. Tonight is going to be a fast sermon. A sermon on fasting. <clears throat> a fast sermon. And uh, I really do believe in, in fasting. I believe it is one of the greatest tools in the Christian's tool belt that has been neglected greatly by, uh, I'll use the term, the church, uh, what I mean by Christianity at large, over the last, uh, probably the last century or more. It's not a regular practice. Uh, it is a doctrine in the Bible that's under attack. A lot of new translations take out fasting in several passages. And uh, I believe it's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual tool. Now, as I mentioned earlier, uh, uh, the, some of those passages referenced, I think about all the times in the Bible where God fought the battle. What did God tell Israel as as after they crossed the Jordan? They sanctified themselves before the Lord, and then he said, yeah, you know, he said we're going to do Jericho first. How did, how, how did uh, Joshua, as a military man, organize the victory, the great victory of Jericho? What was his battle plan? March around and keep quiet. <laughs> Can you imagine trying to tell that to some of the four-star generals in the Pentagon? And <laughs> March around, be quiet. By the way, to kind of play on this or build on this morning's message, isn't it interesting that they were commanded to keep quiet with all that walking? What are Israelites known for doing? <laughs> Murmuring, bickering, complaining. And I say Israelites, really people. Can you imagine as God's trying to do a victory and there, he wants us to go around again? This is ridiculous. We went yesterday and nothing happened and here we're doing it again today. Next day, oh, we're still doing this. This is stupid. You know what? We, we shouldn't do this. We should unionize. Can you just see them kind of, you know, then the last day, seven times? I'm getting blisters. This is ridiculous. What are we doing walking around these walls seven times? And then, and then the miracle happened. You know, and how God would do that. Moses. He brings them to that, that edge of the, the Red Sea on one side, the, the, the Egyptian army on the other side. And, and, and what does Moses say? Watch this neat trick I'm going to do, everybody. He says, stand and see the salvation of the Lord. Waters open up. Well, there's our answer. They walk, by the way, would you be a little hesitant? <laughs> I'd love to see what that miracle looked like. I know Hollywood's tried to do it and things, but uh, I sure hope there are like... As a viewing room in heaven where we kind of look at some of these events. That's got to be amazing, right? They cross that Red Sea. Then God does it again. Moses did not bring the water back. The people didn't bring the water back. God drowned their enemies. God did it. You see, and over and over again, you see, we're, we're co-laboring together with God. Remember when God told them, hey, we're going to go into the promised land. I'm going to fight for you. What did they do? The first group, Moses' group. What did they do when God said, we're going to take the promised land? What did they do before they did that? Anybody? Huh? They did a recon mission, right? They went in. They saw the giant grapes. And they saw the big giants people there. And, and uh, they came back and they said, it is truly a land flowing with milk and honey. And ten of the spies said, oh, but we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. And discouraged the heart of the people. Now, God had already said, I'm going to do it. God had already done it, right? 
And it took a whole other generation to come up to, to believe God to go forward. And what I'm saying is this. When we think that all we're doing is a flesh and blood battle, we are seriously missing it. So then we'll say, oh, well, that was then. That was Old Testament. That was long ago, far away. We live in reality here. 21st century America. And you know what? If something's going to happen, it's going to because we did it. And that's the mindset of us today. And we wonder why there's so little prayer. We wonder why there's so little, you know, really victories where we can stand back and say, God did this. I like what the psalmist said uh, a couple times in the Psalms. He says, this is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. You know, God loves doing things that we step back and marvel at. There's no other explanation. God did this. How, how else can you? God did this. I firmly believe fasting is one of the ways we kind of get God's attention. We show God we're serious. And we co-labor together with God. In fasting, God shows us things. He shows us things about ourselves. Sometimes that we are not ready to see. Things are revealed. It, it's a way of humbling oneself. And in fact, it, in, in a couple places, it's referred to as afflicting your soul. Paul practiced fasting. Sometimes... On purpose, sometimes because he had no food. There's a difference, by the way. Some of the great people in the Bible did fasting, and I, have, uh, I personally know several people that have actually done a full 40-day fast of water only. I've done some fasting myself. and uh, By the way, I want to say this. It's a discipline that uh, you do get better at. So if you've never done it, you're like, I'm going to... I'm going to do a five-day fast. Uh, don't get discouraged if on day two or day three you come off it. Praise the Lord that you did a day. Praise the Lord you did two days. And you grow in it. You'll learn how your body's reacting. By the way, when it starts grumbling like my stomach just did, I want to tell you a little secret. You're not actually hungry yet. You have a habit that it's feeding time. And so your stomach grumbles. Okay, we'll talk a little bit more about that. I might kind of go into a little bit of series about fasting, but there's some things I want to share with the church that, uh, that I'd like us to maybe even consider doing together. But in, uh, in uh, Isaiah 58, starts off with that great verse every preacher knows. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. You know, there is a time to do that. Now, now, who's Isaiah writing to? What was that? Israel. And we'll just go ahead and use Israel as a whole. Uh, he's writing to Israel. Here he talks about, you know, Jake, the house of Jacob and, you know, Jacob's other name, Israel. He's preaching to a nation. And I want to say there are times that as believers, I think we ought to stand up and cry aloud in our nation. Why, why, why do things go so far? Why, why, do, why, why, why do we drift so far with things unchecked? Because we don't stand up and cry aloud. We don't check them. And one day we wake up and say, wait, how did this get passed? How did this enter into the school system? How did, how did these things happen? Years ago, when the homosexual movement really started becoming mainstream, several people had said something along the lines of, they didn't start coming out of the closet until the Christians stopped going in theirs. Now, I can't prove that, but I, want to, I, I tend to think there's some validity to that. How serious of a battle are we in when we talk about the spiritual battle, spiritual warfare? 
talks about cry aloud, spare not. He says, ye seek me daily. This is God speaking through his prophet, God talking. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. This sounds like a good thing, right? As a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinances of their God, they ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. This was his, this was his analysis of this nation that he said, cry against them. Interesting. He said, this is how you guys were. Verse 3, wherefore have we fasted, they say, uh, say they, and thou seest not. They did the activity, but it didn't open their eyes. Wherefore have we afflicted our souls, that's another term for fasting, and thou takest no knowledge. Behold, in the day of your fast, ye you find pleasure and exalt, or exact all your labors. What he's saying is maybe they weren't eating, but they were still doing the pleasurable things. They were still working. And, and I understand, especially if you're going to do a long-term fast, uh, you can't just quit. <laughs> you got to balance this out. I remember one time I did, a, uh, uh, I did some fasting while I worked for the trash department. And where we were, we had the old-school trash trucks where the guy got on and off the bucket and would actually dump them manually eight hours a day, and I was fasting. Funny thing about fasting is uh, your senses tend to get heightened. You smell things. And I was a trash man. <laughs> Those were fun times. Uh, but, uh, but uh, you know, here's what he's saying. He said, you guys, you, you, you sought me with fasting, but it was not an impactful fast. He challenges them with, by the way, you know, there are a lot of things today people talk about fasting and they're not actually fasting. They talk about the, the Daniel fast. Have you ever heard of the Daniel fast? Right? The problem was when Daniel did his fast, it wasn't for health reasons. It was actually to prove God. And we've turned it into this new diet, a way to lose weight, the Daniel fast. We have the, the time of Lent that a lot of Catholics practice, where uh, building up to Easter Sunday, where they'll, they'll cut out something for 40 days. No TV for 40 days. Hey, that's probably a good thing to try, but guess what? You're still not fasting. Okay. Some people say, well, I'm doing a juice-only fast. Uh, uh, one person said, that's like uh, the, the NIV fast. Okay. <laughs> There's some benefit, sure, but you're not quite getting there. Right? The fast that God has chosen. Verse 4, behold, you fast for strife and debate. And to smite with the fist of wickedness, ye, uh, ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. In other words, the way you're doing it, you're not going to be heard because of it. Verse 5, is it such a fast as I have chosen? Now he's going to uh, uh, do some rhetorical questions on the kind of fast God accepts. A day for a man to afflict his soul. Is it not to bow down his head as the bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Humbling oneself, right? Wilt thou call this a fast, an acceptable day of the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen? Now here's what the fasting that God chooses accomplishes. To loose the bands of wickedness. Interesting. Here's what afflicting your soul is going to accomplish. Loose the bands of wickedness. I've known folks to fast for their prodigal sons. For others who are struggling with addictions, for themselves who are struggling with addictions. They're, 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 they're loosing the bands of wickedness, being in bondage, to undo heavy burdens. 
I think some heavy burdens might be coming down the pike if we're not careful. To undo heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free. And, uh, and that ye break every yoke. Talking about a yoke of bondage. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry? Now it's talking about a, an outward approach, if you would. Something I'm doing outwardly that I can do within my power. To deal thy bread to the hungry. That thou bring the poor that are cast out of thy house. When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and wilt hide not thyself from his own flesh. Each of these are ending with a question mark, by the way, because he's asking the question, is this an acceptable fast? Um, verse 8. Here's the, here's the end result of the fast. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning. This is cool. When you've come off a fast, especially once you've gone some time, you really never see more clearly. Your mind is clear. You, you're, you're, you, become very, you can become very sensitive to spiritual things. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You, you kind of increase in discernment. One of the things I learned I had to be really careful with is I can get critical and judgmental when I'm fasting because I'm drawing near to God and I'm getting in the Bible and I start seeing things in this light and I've got to realize, wait, this is inward. This is, this is, let's focus on me here. And I realized I had to fight that a little bit when I was fasting. By the way, you're going to find some flesh come out when you're fasting many times that you didn't realize you had a struggle with. Because you're hangry. But that, that's a funny thing, right? So my wife's not in here to verify, but uh, you can ask her after the service. When I first started fasting, remember I said it's a discipline, I would get hangry, right? Hungry, angry. And uh, you can ask her now, it's actually... You know, I sit down with the family. She used to, like, try to sneak dinner, right? I'll sit down with the family. I actually will take pleasure out of just the smells. And, uh, and we'll sit down and have a meal together. They're eating. I'm sitting with them, right? Um, I've gotten better. But it's amazing how the flesh comes out. Because what are you doing when you're fasting? You're really starving your flesh. You're, you're trying to say, you're, you're telling God, first of all, whatever it is I'm seeking you for, whatever it is I'm after... I desire that more than my necessities, my physical meat. And with that, I'm, I'm if in a sense, detaching from this world a little bit. I'm saying the things of this world do not satisfy, but the things of God do satisfy. By the way, what do we replace it with? Jesus said it so greatly when he was being tempted of the devil during his fast. He said, men shall not live by bread alone, but what? But every word is received out of the mouth of God. By the way, a passage that's missing from some translations. Interesting. Why is that? Because it's not enough to just get rid of something. You need to get rid of the flesh, but feast on the Spirit. Get into the Word of God. I'm, I'm feasting on the manna in a bountiful supply, for I'm dwelling. When I'm fasting, I'm, I need to make sure I'm dwelling in Beulah land. Spending that time in the Word of God. Thy light shall break forth as the morning, verse 8. Then thine health shall spring forth speedily. Did you know there are some tremendous health benefits? A lot of secular doctors have get, been getting a hold of fasting. They're using fasting to treat cancer. They're using fasting to, 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 do, to, to try certain things and to, to, to work on certain uh, physical health things. Uh, several years ago, I broke my ribs uh, snowboarding. I cracked on either side of my spine. It was a crazy accident. I really, you ever had an incident where you, your life flashed before your eyes? 
I've never really had that except this moment. You would not believe how much went through my mind in such a split moment of time. Like, time stopped. I was, uh, it was actually with our missionary, Jonathan Fisher. He got it on video. <laughs> You'll have to ask him about it sometime. Um, we were snowboarding, and, uh, and I was going to have him do this, uh, this jump that I was approaching for. And as I was approaching this jump, I noticed the groove in the snow approaching it. Someone had, like, crashed on it or something, and it went to the side. And so as I was approaching at the last minute, I saw that that, that was going to direct my snowboard a different direction than my momentum was going. So it launched me into the air, completely away from where the jump was. So now the height of the jump plus, you know, the air, this fall was probably over 10 feet on the flat of the run, and I'm inverted. And in that moment, here's the funny, here's the craziest thing, right? You kind of know what, you kind of learn what's important to you. I actually pictured myself preaching in a wheelchair. The weird, of all thoughts that go through my mind, I pictured myself preaching in a wheelchair, can be done, right? I know preachers. I've known preachers in a wheelchair. And that's what I saw myself doing. But I thought, I don't know if there's any right way to do this. So I thought, if I can just tense up a little bit and just try to keep my spine perfectly straight. And I landed on my back and lost my wind for quite some time. Then I also had to get out of the run because I'm like in the, in the path of other snowboarders that are crazy. And uh, I kind of crawled off the edge. But what ended up happening was on both sides of my spine, I had several ribs that were cracked not really much you can do when you crack a rib. Every time you cough, every time you get a cold, it like re-breaks. This was going on for like a year and a half. Uh, I'd lay down in bed and I'd try to turn over. I had to use my foot, hook my foot on the edge of the bed to kind of get leverage to roll over because it hurt so bad, okay? Now, I'm giving you just kind of the backstory. That was an ailment I had. I figured I was just going to live with it the rest of my life. It had been a year and a half, had not really gotten better. This is just how it was. I had some spiritual decisions coming up that I had to make, and I really just needed God to do something, so I went into a fast. Wasn't seeking anything else but God's wisdom. That's all I was after. Did about a 10-day fast and, uh, and uh, had peace from God to come off the fast. I remember I came off the fast after a couple days and started getting used to eating again, and uh, all of a sudden I noticed, I was like, my back's not hurting. My ribs are healed. Now, I can understand fasting would help maybe my di- if I had digestion issues or if I had... It fixed my bones. <laughs> All I'm saying is this. Here's what it says. It'll be health will spring forth speedily. Next, thy righteousness shall go before thee. There's great potential to grow spiritually. Because what have I done? I've pushed off the flesh. I'm growing in the spirit. All right? Um... The glory, oh, get this, the glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. I'll tell you what, there are times where you just feel no closer to God than when you've been fasting and you start learning really what it is to pray. Those lengthy, you know, like we sing the song, Sweet Hour of Prayer, where I actually spend a sweet hour in prayer and it's like I don't want to leave. I don't want to say amen and end this prayer. I've, I've, I've experienced God in that time. Now, I don't want to be all kind of weird and like, you know, uh, charismatic with all this, but the reality is that there is just this closeness you feel. There was one man in our, in our church, and uh, I shared with you guys uh, the other day about, I think it was last week, about the man from our first church that... Uh, uh, just found out his head's just full of brain cancer, and he's, he's basically on hospice now. Well, that man was just a, a huge blessing to me in my first ministry, and he did a 40-day fast. 
And uh, he told me one time, he had done a few building up. He did like a 15, then a 21, and then he did a 40-day fast. In fact, he was thinking about coming off on day 35, day 33, day 35, right around there, because he said, Pastor, I don't want this to be a pride thing. Like, you've made it so far. Why you I don't want it to be a pride thing. But God let him go all 40 days. And um, here's what he said. He said, I wish I could never eat again. He said, I've gotten to the point where it's like, where I, I don't like eating. I want that closeness with God. He said, I have this, just, this closeness where I just feel his presence when I'm fasting. It's kind of interesting. It says, his right, the glory of the Lord will be your reward. Then, get this now, shalt thou call and the Lord shall answer. Then, this is interesting, shalt thou cry, or thou shalt cry and shall say, uh, uh, and he shall say, here I am. God will say that. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke and the putting forth of the finger and the speaking vanity, what's happening? These are all things that they've, that they've gotten, uh, fell prey to, if you would. Uh, they're, they're caught up with their yoke of bondage and their speaking vanity. If thou draw away thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy, uh, thy light rise up in obscurity and thy darkness as, uh, be as in noonday. And, and, and so forth. I want to kind of zero in on this. God, of course, he's dealing with his people there, Israel. And he was saying this, somewhere along the way it's been all about you, you're speaking vanity, you're, you're, you're chasing after pleasure, you're caught up in this yoke, you're caught up in this bondage, uh, bonds of wickedness and this heavy oppression. And he said, if you would do this, put off these things, and then quit focusing on you, start giving to the hungry and start clothing the naked and so forth, and, and, and see what I've, where I've put you and, 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 and this position I've put you in, then... When you call on me, I'm going to say, here I am. I'm going to hear. I'm going to listen. Now, I praise the Lord that because of our salvation, every one of us have access into the holy place. And I'm not talking about, you know, I'm trying to gain entrance with God. I'm not talking about I'm trying to twist God's arm. But there is something about fasting and seeking God and letting him do a work within me that, uh, I, I don't know how else to explain it, God just kind of shows up in a way he doesn't otherwise, in my own life personally. Um, one of the interesting things, you know, remember when Jesus in his earthly ministry was talking about the Pharisees doing their big prayers out in the open, right? And he says, they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Right? So then he says, when thou prayest, enter where? In the street. Where should you go? Into your closet, your secret place. And when thou hast shut the door, and, and you, you pray to your father which is in secret, thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. He was saying to the Pharisees, they have their reward. What was their reward? Praises of men. Look how spiritual these men are. He said, when you pray, when you seek God, go into that secret place and seek me. And that's where you're going to find reward. He said when they would give their alms, they'd kind of give attention. Hey, everybody, I'm giving to the poor. That's what almsgiving is. I'm giving to the poor. Right? He said they have their reward. When you give your alms, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing or the other way around. What's he saying? I'm schizophrenic? <laughs> no, he's saying do it in secret. You don't need to let anybody know. In fact, when I give almsgiving, guess what? I don't do it through the church. That's given to the poor. 
that's seeing a need, I try to do that in secret. I try to do that before the Lord, right? Some people try to equate that to all giving. I don't think we should have a, a fill it out or have a, all that kind of stuff. You know, wait a minute. Jesus, remember, remember him and his disciples? They stood there and watching how everyone gave, right? That's different. That's our giving. That's our tithes. That's our offerings. But almsgiving, he says, this should be in secret. Okay? Now, by the way, I have no problem if you were to give your alms, say we're doing some kind of special thing uh, as a church that we're meeting some need. I have no problem with that. But, but, uh, but he's saying, don't let your right hand know what your left hand does and so forth. And then the same thing with fasting. He said, uh, here's what the Pharisees do. They kind of make that sad countenance. You know, he basically says, in so many words, basically, you know, splash some water in your face, look alive. Now, I have a hard time standing up straight when I'm fasting. All right? And especially if you're going to do, now, if you're doing one day, guess what? You can, don't let anybody know. But there comes a point where, guess what? Some people have to know. Right? My wife has to know I'm fasting. In fact, it addresses that in 1 Corinthians. My wife needs to know that I'm fasting. Why? Because otherwise she's going to be wasting a lot of food. <laughs> right? Church, you're going to know if I'm doing like a long-term fast at some point. You're going to realize, boy, we've had five potlucks and pastor hasn't eaten. Okay? Uh, there comes a point. But, um, but it's in those one and two days like the Pharisees were bragging about. I fast twice in a week and so forth. He says, uh, he says do that secretly. And thy father which seeth in secret shall what? Reward thee openly. Right? Now, the reason I'm bringing up that passage is because I know fasting is a very personal thing. Prayer is a personal thing. But did you know I'm trying to teach my children how to pray? I do not do it like this. Children, go to your room and shut your closet door. Go into your closet and shut the door and start praying to God in secret. And he'll reward you openly. Okay, Dad, what do we say? How do we do this? Now, you know how I teach my children to pray? We get down together on our knees, and we pray together. And we've gotten to the place now where, you know, okay, I'm going to pray, and then now you pray, and then they pray. Right? And we pray together. We pray at family devotion time where we kind of go around the room, and we pray together. We're learning. They're learning kind of what it is to communicate with the Father so that, so that they can develop a private prayer life on their own. You see, there, there is an element. Some things are really better taught, uh, uh, caught than taught. I can tell you all the things about prayer, but sometimes, sometimes it might just need to be, hey, hey Chris, why don't, we, why don't we just meet together? Why don't we just pray? Let's call it to God. What are some things that are heaven on your heart that I can be praying about? And let's pray together. Let's, you know, the Bible talks about that. It even talks about people coming together in agreement on things in the context of prayer. And there's a lot of things about prayer. There's public prayer. There's private prayer. There's group prayer. There's a, uh, what was the church doing when Peter was in prison? They were praying. And the angel shows up and, uh, and, and busts him out of jail. And he shows up at the prayer meeting and knocks on the door. They look, they see it's Peter, and they don't answer the door. They run and go tell everybody else. It's like, guys, you were praying for this, remember? <laughs> Along those lines, you know, we may have special prayer times. We may have special prayer meetings for needs. And, and I'd like to even plan a few with some things that are coming up. Fasting. As especially in the early days when I was learning how to fast, there were a couple of times I actually did it with an accountability partner. And daily we were touching base with each other. How'd you do today? Here's what I struggled with. Here's what I struggled with. You know, I was driving along and I saw the Frito-Lay truck and I, I thought about hijacking it, or carjacking it. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, yeah. You know, here I'm a preacher and I'm thinking about stealing this truck. <laughs> By the way, in the Bible, they didn't have... Uh, 
a McDonald's on every corner to tease you while you're fasting and those things. Uh, there was a time where I had a diesel car. It was an old Mercedes diesel that was converted to run, run on vegetable oil. It was so hard to fast, smelling like french fries everywhere you went. It was tough. It was tough. But, um, but I'd have this, this partner. And as I'm looking at temptation, I'm driving by, I pull into the Denny's parking lot. The Denny's down in California a little bit better than here. Um, <laughs> pull into the Denny's parking lot, and, I, and I'm like, am I going to go in? You know, I actually had a friend call me one time. He's using me as an accountability partner. And he's like, brother, I'm sitting down at the restaurant. I've already ordered. I just wanted to let you know. <laughs> I said, well, let's pray for your food together then. How about that? And, uh, you know, it's funny. Nowhere in the Bible is anyone commanded to fast. Did you know that? But it's interesting, when they came to Jesus, they said, how come your, guy, your disciples don't fast like John's disciples fast? You know what that tells me? People knew John's disciples were fasting. And they also knew that Jesus' disciples weren't fasting. And here's what he said. He said, you know, can, the, can the, the, the bride fast when the bride and groom is with them? He said, but the time will come, what? When they will fast. He said, he said as he was talking about those Pharisees, as I was just mentioning, he said, when ye fast, don't do as the hypocrites do. You see? And I think sometimes it's some of those things when we're, because we're not commanded, we kind of let things go. And by the way, it's not comfortable. It's not some things in the Christian life, guess what, aren't comfortable. There have been times where my knee popped out of socket because I was on my knees praying. I had an injury praying. I'm just saying sometimes there are some things that just aren't comfortable. But we see God, and we're looking for the reward. We're looking for that, that, that you know, what, what God's doing in me, and I'm seeking him in that area. Guess what? It's not comfortable. This is a really big book. You want me to read this whole thing? I don't like reading. But you know what? The benefits really outweigh the cost. And I get into the Word of God, and it starts doing things in me. We have, we just did our series on the Bill of Rights in the Bible, and we've talk, been talking a lot of political stuff. The election's coming up. When, when's the election, anybody? November 3rd. You guys are on it. Um, I've heard a lot of potential conspiracy theories. I've heard about groups that are already ready to start tying it up in lawsuits with the, between the mail-in ballots and between all these other things. There are a lot of things riding on this one. One of the things that I believe the Lord's put on my heart, I want to... Fasting is never commanded nor would I ever command or ask anybody to do it. What I'd like to do is put together a 30-day calendar and have everybody who's willing to sign up for a 24-hour period. And make sure you know the person who's before and the person who's after because when they get, come off, they're going to call you and say, all right, I'm coming off. You ready to go on? Yep. And now you got your reminder. And I'd love to have a fasting chain for 30 days building up to that day. You say, Pastor, what kind of a difference could we make all the way up here in North Pole, Alaska, as we're talking about our national elections? By the way, do you think God's interested, by the way? I think he's very interested. I said before, and I believe it, America 
not just because of us being a missionary sending nation, but I believe America is a light to the world in goodness. Over 200 distress calls every year on the oceans from pirate attacks and so forth. You know who they call? They call us. We have the largest navy. We have the most powerful military. We are a force of good in this world. Have we messed up? Yes. Have we made mistakes? Absolutely. Have we been in unjust wars? Oh, yeah. I still think God is not done with us. So God was going to destroy a city. His wrath was kindled. He was ready to wipe it out. Someone pleaded with him. Would you really do that if there are 100 righteous people in that nation, in that city? No, I'd spare him for that. Would you spare him for 50? Yeah, I'd spare him for that. All the way down, would you spare him for 10? Do you think there are 10 righteous people in America? Would God spare America for the hope of what 10 righteous people might be able to accomplish for the glory of God? Turn over to Matthew 17 real quick, please. I'm going to talk a little bit more about fasting in the weeks to come and just uh, prayer and fasting, of course, they go together. In uh, Matthew 17... Verse number 14. And when they were come into the multitude, there came to him, Jesus, a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, this is my dad's life verse, this next verse, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic. My wife made a nice little plaque for my dad. He hangs on the wall. Have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic. Here's what it says. He's sore vexed. He's got a devil. For oft times he falleth into the fire, oft times into the water. Here's this dad, desperate, seeking help for his son. He brings him to Jesus, and he says, here's my son. If I turn my back for a second, he tries to drown himself. If I turn my back for a second, he tries to throw himself on the fire. You know what I ask myself? Where's the mom in this picture? She's probably napping. She probably had night duty because they can't leave this kid for two seconds. Dad's got him in the day. Mom's got him at night. I'm just kind of looking, reading into the story a little bit. But, uh, but this, can you imagine the stress? And, 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 and how heavy it's on these, these poor parents with this child that's vexed. Verse 16. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. What an indictment on God's spiritual leaders. You know, people do that today. My son is hearing voices, and I brought him to the pastor. And the pastor said, I think you need to go to see the psychiatrist. And what do we do? We send him to the world. And then we stand up on Sunday and we say, ladies and gentlemen, this book has all the answers. And, we, and then we, we can't help these things. And we say, well, maybe you need to go down the street. Maybe you need to go to the world because they've got more wisdom. I brought him to your pastors and they could not cure him. I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him, verse 17. Then Jesus answered and said, Oh, faithless. What was the first issue? 
Lack of faith. Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and how long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and when he departed from him, the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples, and then came the disciples of Jesus apart. They kind of did it quietly and said, Why could not we cast him out? Would you agree this was a spiritual battle? Yeah. A pretty serious spiritual battle. There was a devil. There was a demon involved. And they asked the question, how come we can... Now, prior to this, here we're in Matthew 17. Prior to this, you know what they were doing? They were casting out devils. He gave them the power of unclean spirits. Remember, they came back all excited that one time. Even the unclean spirits, even the devils... Uh, you know, we even have authority over the unclean spirits. And he says, you know, don't get so excited about that. You know what you should be excited about? That your names are written down in heaven. You guys remember the story? They had cast out devils. Lord, why could we not cast them out? Verse 20, Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. How be it this kind? What kind? This kind of battle, this kind of spiritual oppression, this level of spiritual wickedness, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. By the way, in some translations, it just says by prayer. How many of you would say, I think the disciples prayed? By prayer and fasting. Some devils, some spiritual wickedness can only be addressed when we've combined prayer and fasting. Now let's back up. I read over something. Verse 20 again. He said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain... Remove hence to yonder place. Many times in the Bible, you know what a mountain is a type of? Authority. Or a government structure. That sometimes get in our way. By the way, why would you want a mountain to move? To show how powerful I am. Why would you need a mountain to move? It's in the way. And he puts that in the context of a seriously spiritual battle that only go, comes forth by prayer and fasting. Folks, we have some spiritual battles ahead. We have seen, we have even heard articulated. By the way, let me just say this, some of the things that are writing on this. A more aggressive agenda for killing the unborn. A more aggressive agenda against the family and against the way God made us, male and female. A more aggressive agenda, putting down Christianity and elevating Islam, it's already been articulated, I want, to be, I want Islam to be taught in public school. And we can go down the list, and there might be more diabolical things, because obviously his health isn't that great. He's obviously being controlled by someone else. I'm just saying some of the things at stake. 
Is Trump perfect? Of course. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. But there are some serious things at stake here. There are a lot of things that didn't make the news that were accomplished in this administration. Under the Obama administration, there was an uh, uh, instructor at one of the military academies who was uh, alternative lifestyle, we'll just say it that way. And, of course, pushing that. And uh, I can't remember exactly what the details were. It was pretty aggressive, uh, the way she was you know, teaching and pushing this stuff. And uh, within 48 hours of Trump being in office, he was fired. So you don't hear about some of those things. Some of his little victories. And even if, even if he was a more neutral position on a lot of these, I wanted to say is there's some definite spiritual wickedness in high places issues at stake. I don't know everything. But I do know this. We're to pray for those that are in authority. I do know this, that God is able to turn the heart of a king, or in our case, a president, a cabinet, a congress, a judicial system, He can do that. Like the rivers of water, he turneth us with us wherever he will. God can do that. But you know what I see a direct link with those issues in the Bible? To our prayers. To our fasting. To our pleading with God, God give us some more time. Would you do something? Would you send one last great revival before your return? Wouldn't you like to see that? See, many of us are willing to pray for revival, but few of us are willing to pay for revival. You say, what do you mean? How much is it going to cost? Revival is not a church meeting. We're not willing to pay the hours of prayer, pay the sacrifice, pay maybe even the persecution that would bring about a revival. You know, in some areas, there's been a little bit of spark of revival with just some of the oppression of COVID. And what I mean by that is I'm not talking about persecution. I'm just talking about just the separation that churches had gone through. There's not that unity fellowship that, that, that we're thriving off each other's faith, so to speak, but, but learning to walk with God on their own. There have been several, several things. Uh, people have kind of learned how to pray through this. Some, some, some had impacted them financially, and others, you know, their health. And, and, and what, what happened? Many people have learned to call it to God. We had some people saved in our church when our church wasn't meeting. How about that? What I'm saying is, is, is that, that this is a spiritual battle. The Bible warns us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but with principalities. That is a spiritual entity, if you would, over a municipality. Remember Daniel, the book of Daniel? Uh, the prince of Persia? Let me say, it was not talking about the physical prince. It was a demon. In fact, it held him up as Daniel was doing his 21-day fast. It, it held up Michael, the archangel, the, 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 the uh, or, I'm sorry, uh, uh, was it Gabriel? Uh, the messenger angel held him up. 
till reinforcements had to arrive. And it took him 21 days to get to Daniel. What if Daniel quit praying on day 20? I just, I just wonder. I know it sounds charismatic. You know, we really don't talk about the demon stuff. We don't talk about the... Listen, it's in the Bible. Let's talk about it, okay? And it's the same way we are going to win our battles. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Against powers. That word means authority. Against spiritual wickedness. Where? High places. High places. I was in a high place last March. I stood on a hill. The Capitol Hill. There's some amazing buildings and statues, monuments, memorials of our great, the founding of America. Bible verses etched in marble. In Congress, in, in, the, in the, 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 that room where we see, you know, when you watch the videos of uh, them getting up and arguing and all that kind of stuff, uh, we got to sit in there a couple times, and, uh, and in there you got the, the faces, the bus, the side bus of all these philosophers and minds through the ages, and, 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 and directly, uh, let, let's say that this is uh, where the president sits, of, uh, that presides over the, over the Congress meeting, uh, they got those elevated uh, desks, right? Every time they pass a bill, every time they vote on something, the president that presides over that meeting looks exactly opposite in the back of the room. The, the only bust that shows straight, straight in is the face of Moses, representation of the lawgiver. And every time that gavel comes down and every time they, they vote on another bill, they, gotta, they, they, gotta have a, they have a visual memory of where law comes from, where rights come from. And they oppress it. And they're saying no to God on many terms. What I'm saying is there are spiritual wickedness in high places. And some, some battles, some spiritual forces do not come out but by prayer and fasting. I want to tell you a convicting statement that was I once heard another preacher say and it got me. How can you call yourself a patriot if you've never spent one day praying and fasting for your country? I mean a day. I mean time. Oh, Lord, thank you for this food, and God bless America. Protect our president. Amen. And I'm talking about praying. Maybe get up the website and get everyone's name. Pray through Congress. Pray for the cabinet. See, I don't know these people. God knows them. He can stir hearts. He can oppress wickedness. I'm going to challenge this church, and, and I think I'm going to go ahead and just do it, and whoever wants to join me can join me. But 30 days out from Election Day uh, is when we'll start. I'll put it out beforehand so you can start filling it in. But uh, I'm going to put a 30-day calendar out there in the back. And you can do more than one if you fill up for it. You don't have to do them consecutively. You can space them out or what have you. But uh, I want to do some praying and fasting building up to the election day. Who knows? Maybe God's going to do something in our own church from praying and fasting. And we might even continue the, prayer the fasting chain. I don't know. 
but it just might be that we can be a part of getting a hold of the heart of God for the future of our country, my children. So many times you find in the writings of our founders this statement, for posterity's sake. For posterity's sake. Why were they willing to give up their lives, their fortunes, their fortunes, and their sacred honor for posterity's sake? Did you know they'd rather their posterity, their descendants, have freedom than to have their wealth? That should tell us something. I look at my children and I think, what America are they going to grow up in? I can't do much. I can't, I wouldn't get elected president. I can't do much. But what I can do, I need to make sure I am. And if this Bible, if I believe this Bible, this is a battle that's fought on my knees with an empty stomach. God, would you spare America? Would you give us some more time? Would you do with the prophets and confess your national sins? God, the blood of all those innocent babies is on my hand because it's on my watch. And I'm going to do what I can to turn this thing around. God, as we're seeing the, the disintegration of the, of, of the family that you've instituted, that's on me. I'm confessing our sins as a nation, as America, and God, I'm going to do what I can to oppose it and to stand for righteousness and to lift up my voice like a trumpet and cry aloud and spare not and tell America her transgressions. You see, you don't need to be obnoxious about it, but you ought to vote. You ought to speak up when you can. You ought to write letters. You ought to make phone calls. You ought to be involved. But folks, let's start this battle spiritual because that's what it is with praying and fasting.